Welcome to the Soul of Travel podcast. I'm your host, Christine Weinbrenner Eirich. We are wrapping up season four of the Soul of Travel podcast. In the meantime, we want to celebrate our Soul of Travel community and share some of the most listened to episodes of the past four seasons. In these best of replays, you'll hear from the guests who were interviewed on the most popular episodes from each of the past seasons. They'll give us a quick update on where they are now and share some of their favorite soul of travel moments. It is so great to be able to reflect back and reconnect with these guests. If you missed their episodes, I know you'll love hearing from them. And if you already listened in the past, I think you're going to love hearing their updates and listening again to learn new insights from these women creating a positive impact in travel. I cannot wait to be back with all new episodes in November. Until then, enjoy this soulful replay. Hey, I'm Nikki Padilla-Rivera, co-founder of the Global Guide Alliance, and apparently a lot of you listened to my episode about tour guides on season two, which is pretty cool. Christine and I had a really great conversation on how make or break a tour guide really is to a travel experience and how that unfortunately doesn't really translate in terms of how guides are treated in the industry, where they're still really left out of the conversation, seen as low-level, interchangeable, customer-facing employees. Since my episode has aired, there has been a trend of guides becoming more entrepreneurial, running their own tours as opposed to just freelancing for bigger companies. And in doing so, they're really taking ownership of the guest experience, challenging the status quo of what the common narrative tends to be in their destination, which often isn't from a female perspective. For example, the women behind Adventures with Locals in Uganda, which is another great episode you might want to catch on season two. If you're a tour guide or we're thinking about getting into tour guiding, I'm actually running a guide conference in Vienna in two weeks, if you're listening to this in October, called Guide Together. Um, and listeners can grab 50% off tickets with the code SHARETHELOVE. You can see more information as well as future guide events will be running at globalguidealliance.com. Thanks again for listening to this conversation on guides and to other conversations happening in Soul of Travel. While women continue to be the number one purchasers of travel experiences, we're still sorely underrepresented at decision-making levels, and the industry can often feel like this old-school boys' club if you're not forging your own way, which takes energy. So listening to and sharing these stories, supporting these changemakers gives us that energy to keep pushing forward. Thanks for listening. Nikki Padilla Rivera is the founder of Trip Kinetics and works to empower guides through training and advocacy. She bridges the communication gap between tour operators and their teams to result in consistently branded, high quality experiences that generate word of mouth marketing. Previously, after a career of guiding in New York City, Nikki created and ran the guide program for Intrepid's Urban Adventures, creating a community amongst over 15,000 guides and 160 cities around the world. She believes that travel should benefit a local place and that guides are the perfect people to educate travelers on how to protect and appreciate their destinations.
In our conversation, we focus on the often overlooked topic of guides in tourism, the importance and value of our guides in our travel experiences, and how we can empower them to step more fully into this role. We share about some of her experiences as a guide, as well as times we were really inspired by the person leading our trips. This is a place she and I can spend a long time thinking and speaking, and I love diving deeper into this topic and look forward to hearing how it inspires you. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Nikki Padilla Rivera. really excited to be bringing this conversation to the table and to this audience and for people just to uh, gain a little bit more of an understanding of what it looks like um, in the space of being a tour operator in the travel industry, or I mean, sorry, a (laughs) travel guide in the travel industry. Um, So Nikki, I'm going to turn it over to you and give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about Trip Kinetics and the work that you're doing. Yeah, so I'm so excited to be talking about this. (laughs) It is how we connected, right? Like, oh, someone else who's interested in talking about tour guides. (laughs) Um, I, so I call myself a tour guide educator and advocate um, recently is what what I've been using um, because I feel like I, for in my job, I work with tour guides, training tour guides. I work with tour operators. I basically translate between tour operators and tour guides because there's such a huge gap um, between those two worlds and it leads to a lot of friction. And I firmly believe that any challenge a tour operator has can be solved with a happy guide team. Um, so I usually work on that end with through the tour guides to help their guides. Um, but I also put out through Trip Kinetic um, tons of free resources for guides as well. I'm just kind of empowering guides to you know, really understand the importance of their job and encouraging them to have constant evolution. I think so often guides, um, you know, we kind of, we get used to what we're doing, we get into our flow and we kind of repeat that again and again, but um, it's better for everyone, the guide included, to just keep learning and growing. And then the industry side, um, just constantly reminding people that guides are the most important piece (laughs) We cannot have tours without guides, the best marketing, the best tours. It's useless. At the end of the day, it is just the guide and the customers um, and just kind of, you know, so many decisions are made, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, but without guides really in mind. Um, they're made for business purposes or for marketing purposes, but then it trickles down the guides, the one who kind of has to like bear the brunt of these, you know, new technologies that are being used or um, new systems. And so I'm always kind of there like, but remember the guides in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's such an interesting discussion and a way at looking at the industry because um, as you said, like from a business perspective, we're always worried about all these other things. Um, you know, we have to get the travelers in, you know, on the trip. And so then we have to market, we have to create these itineraries, we have to create these products. And it almost feels like at the end of the day, like once all that's done, you're like, we did it. Right. But then like, you know, a month later is when your guide is meeting your travelers, wherever they are. And, and really it's where it all begins from, from that perspective. And so it, I can see the, the disconnect and 
I was thinking about this as I was preparing to speak with you today about um, where some of that disconnect can happen. And is it like an interpret, uh, the interpretation of the value of a guide based on maybe like a mindset of, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, if you just show up at some destination as an independent traveler, and there's like the person that, you know, gets assigned to your group as you walk through some, uh, museum or themed area or something like that. And, and they are a guide, but they're also maybe likely hired to work for the summer and aren't really invested fully in the experience. And so we have that connotation of a guide. And I think that's even the one that's like, maybe like mainstream in media, the ones we poke fun at, the ones that we like have this social conception of a travel guide, uh, or, you know, um, maybe even lumping that in with like the funny stereotypes of flight attendants, or, you know, like there's this conception of people who don't really necessarily have a lot of skill or education or value that are just taking like this job, which is not true. And we know being in this industry, like both for a flight attendant or for a tour guide, that's none of that is true, but it's like this weird media perception that like sometimes gets carried over. And then for you and I, we were talking about um, being really lucky to work with um, companies where guides are known as the critical linchpin to the success of their businesses um, in educational travel or experiential travel where the guides are fully shaping your experience. So there's like this huge spectrum of, you know, what part guides play or shown to play in the industry. So I, I was just wondering like how that resonates with you and where you think that spins this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wow, that's that's really well said, and it's interesting to think about that. What is the perception of guides? And and you know, to be clear, we're going to probably use that word generically, um, but we could be talking about you know everything from a museum docent to a tour leader. That's you know the host for a multi day trip. Um, but I think I think there is that it's that picture I have in my head at least of the guide with the orange flag, um, you know, trailing a bus full of whoever. Um, and it's true in that we think of them, I don't know necessarily that there's a portrayal that they are low skilled because we can acknowledge that they have knowledge, right, to give that tour, but low skilled in the sense that they're treated as an as a unskilled laborer, right, and that they're replaceable, which is really interesting to me. Like, they're definitely, like, yes, for the most part, they're freelance um, with very few exceptions, but you know, they're very much seen by companies as replaceable. You know, you get them in, hopefully you keep the good ones, but if not, you know, more are going to come in. And that, I think that's the real disconnect to like, the job isn't treated as this like highly educated job when in fact it is the most skilled job. I mean, and even, you know, those two extremes, the museum Dawson, obviously we're talking PhD level often. Um, and then to the tour leader, the trip leader, tour director, um, you know, they, maybe they're not giving information per se, but they also have to have a general knowledge of a lot of places and they have to have the most incredible people skills. I, I come from a tour guiding background and I did a little bit of tour directing, not my cup of tea. I found it horrible. <laughs> Just on call 24 hours, you know, you're dealing um, with lots of personalities and you're just responsible basically for everything that you have no control over, be it 
you know, the weather or the way servers treat your group or that one annoying person for on a trip, you know, you're, so the amount of skills that a tour guide needs is actually incredible, but I agree with you that that perception is there. And I almost feel like that's why guides are treated as this very dismissed um, group because it's like, oh, but you know, they're, they'll float around or they won't be guides forever where that's just you know, not the case. I mean, if you look at tour guide education, you have places in Europe, um, India is like this, a lot of places in Asia where you literally have to go to school for like six plus years to get that license. I mean, the training is incredible, but you're learning that very old school sense of like facts. You learn facts, you learn some people's skills, but it's more about like how to get out the architecture, how to get out, you know, second century Romans or whatever specifics it is. And on the other hand, you have what I'll call the Airbnb guide who has zero guide training at all. They're just a great personality and a host. And I would just love for all of us collectively to meet in the middle. <laughs> you know, there's a little bit we want to take from this guide. There's a little bit we want to take from this guide. But I, I think that in-between space is where I'd love to see all guides be, no matter where, if you're giving a big bus tour, because that's fine, that pays the money, you know, or if you're giving a super niche cultural immersive tour. Um, I think we should all have the same standard uh, of guiding. And I, I would think that the people who I recall as guides that really offered me a valuable experience, they had what you said, like they had a lot of education. They could tell me, you know, what this flower was and this spider was and why they're important in this ecosystem. But they could also say like, you know, this is the fruit that my grandmother makes, you know, my favorite, whatever out of. And then like they have that friendly and approachable and knowledgeable. And they're also like, you know, making sure so-and-so isn't like stepping on the thing that's poisonous and like, and obviously I'm traveling in places that people are maybe not because I, that I just put myself in like Paris and I'm like, well, they're not stepping on anything poisonous or whatever, but <laughs> it shows how I travel. I'm like, sure nobody's <laughs> getting eaten or stung. <laughs> They have a really, really hard trip. Um, But like, uh, yeah, there's all of these skills. And then, you know, you check into the hotel and then you're the person that is also like making sure everybody is getting the room that they want. And when the heater doesn't work, who do they come to? And then, you know, when they order the vegan meal, that's not actually available because there was a miscommunication in the home office or, you know, it is, it's so, it's such a wide set skill set and um to be able to pull through that and to do it with like ease and patience and confidence and likability like it, it's a it's a it's a mastery that I, I feel like oh, really yeah. challenge. <laughs> oh yeah and when you see guides who do it well I mean it like literally brings tears to my eyes like because because that's something to think too you know I not to say that the majority of guides are bad but the level I'm trying to be very careful how I word this, the level of quality and service that is currently demanded by the majority demographic of travelers, let's say, is pretty average, right? The average traveler is used to, as we're saying, you know, the tour guide with the umbrella or the water bottle and the 50 people. That's what they expect. So the bar is pretty low, which is a good thing, I think. Um, But when you see that guide who is like, putting all their energy into it and has very thoughtfully crafted through how they're going to communicate something, but also has the skill to be flexible and read the room. Like 
when you see that it's rare to be honest, um, because it's also needed to maintain that during a high season tour after tour is just not realistic. But when you see it, it's like magic. And I mean, these are the experiences where people are going home, literally their life has been changed. And that's where the power comes in, right? Again, I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but when you can achieve that, you can literally change people's perception of the world. And that's crazy. What other job does that? Yeah. And I know that was one thing that we landed on when we talked before, um, before when we were preparing for this call is the opportunity for education for travel guides and how, um, again, a skilled guide can really infuse this into your experience. So, you know, as a traveler, you're never feeling like you know, unless it's the trip that you, you are taking where you want to feel like you're constantly being educated, but where you can travel and really learn about the culture and, you know, the ethics, the religion, the, all these things that you can bring to the table and to the conversation and plant these seeds, um, that then will be the thing that we take home and, um, really are transformed by. And so it's, it's like the Holy grail of, of positions really like, um, for me as someone who's passionate about creating community and education and awareness and connection, like that's your person. That's, that's who's making all of that land. And I, I'm a one woman business, so I do all the things. So I, that is me at the end of the day. But when I think about bringing on someone eventually to help me, I'm like, who, who's going to do this? with as much heart and conviction and passion as me. And so like, I'm ready to stand beside you and say, like, I want my tour guides to be empowered. I want them to know that they have this pivotal piece of the puzzle in their hands and to know that they really are valuable. It's, it's giving that permission, right? Which seems sad that we have to give it. But again, it's just, it hasn't, to be fair, it has not been built into guiding up until now. And that's, I think, where I need to do a lot of letting go. You know, we know things now. Over tourism wasn't a thing, you know, decades ago. And, and, but with what we know now, um, if we can give guides permission to take on that education role, because, you know, within hospitality, there's very much the sense of the customer's always right, you know, and they definitely fall under that. But when you can tell a guide, like, no, no, like, you can correct someone. You know, whether it's a misconception that they have or whether they're doing something, you know, it, I'm from New York City. So my example is always for stopping in the middle of the sidewalk. You know, it's, it's so disruptive and everyone hates it. And but you as a tour guide, you can teach them not to do that in a very fun way that the travelers will actually be very grateful for. Like everyone wants to learn how to blend in, mm-hmm. you know, and I think when you give the guides that permission, you can just see the mind shift it's so powerful and that like, wow, like not only am I, you know, doing this job because it's fun, I get to meet new people and walk around my city, but I can actually have control over the way people treat my city. And, you know, in certain, if you're talking in, you know, the Venices and the Barcelonas, um, that's huge. That's a huge, huge power. I am. Yeah, I agree. And I I love that idea of thinking of how to do it. And again, how we were saying kind of like sneaking the education in like in this playful way or uh, where, where it is important, like how crazy would it be if you left New York city and you didn't know that, like, cause someone else is going to talk to you about like, isn't it crazy how people just like never stop moving in New York? And you're like, Oh, I don't know, but I kept getting mowed over every time I stopped to look at X, Y, Z. And then maybe then you make the connection afterward. 
um, yeah, and, and it, it, it really, you know, that's such a simple example, but, um, you know, for instance, when I was in Bali and um, I happened to be there at the end of rainy season, and so um, there was a lot of trash that was everywhere because it had kind of been washed out of the mountains and everything, and I, I kept wanting um, someone to tell me why, like I wanted the answer. I was waiting for my guide. I was traveling by myself, but to come up and give me that information and be like, you know, this is something we see this time of year. This is why as a country, you see signs everywhere that we're trying to eliminate single use plastics and, you know, all this stuff, then, wow, what a, a moment for me to be able to step into that and think about it. And, you know, I was trying to have that one-sided conversation, but, um, but guides really can bring that, especially if they're local guides, which I think is, um, something we could probably dive into the value of a local guide as well is, um, how much they can share and personalize your experience versus bringing, um, a guide with you, you know, wherever you go, like finding a guide that's actually a part of, of the destination that you're traveling in. Yeah, and, and that's a little bit mechanics as well, right? Like that's the distinction between a tour director and a tour guide where a tour director is super skilled at the hosting, at the logistics, whereas the tour guide is that local knowledge. So in an ideal world, you have both, right? You have the tour director with you the whole time and then you're hiring the local tour guide um, in each city. But yeah, it's, that's super, I mean, talk about value. You know what I mean? That to have a tour guide who is local, and that can mean an expat as well, right? But to have a guide who is invested um, in the local city, in the local region, I mean, that's going to make that difference of the information because now it's not just, you know, I see a lot of companies because regenerative, regenerative travel is very trendy right now. So everyone's having our, their like carbon offset purpose on their website and they're saying how we're going to, you know, help the environment or whatnot. Um, but really, like, if you really cared, what you would do is empower these local tour guides to take control over their own city, right? And it doesn't even need to be something as huge as, um, you know, what we're talking about, you know, how like, culture and economics, like, it can be something as simple as, um, you know, teaching people how to order in a restaurant, you know, something it's so simple, and it's so valuable to get, like, that's what I want to know, right, when I travel. Um, but that it relieves so much, like first it's now empowering them to go to local restaurants, right? So you're boosting local economy. Second, you're making sure that they're going to be moved through that space in a way that doesn't disrupt the actual locals, right? So it's tourism benefiting a place instead of disrupting it. I mean, there's just a million different benefits for something as simple as, you know, in Italy, when you order a coffee, um, go to the cash register first and pay and then take your receipt to the bar. Like it's these common things and actually it's funny, local guides versus native born, I should say, versus expats. These are a lot, this is, I'm a huge fan of um, a combination on any team of natives versus expats because these are the things, it's the native knowledge that only the expats know is knowledge. Right. If that makes sense. Cause he's like, yeah. of course, that's how you get a coffee. Yeah. But the expat is there to be like, oh no, no one knows that. You know what I mean? So you have to like say that out loud. Um, and now I'm, I'm veering off topic, but yeah, that the, the importance of that local guide is understanding those nuances um, and then educating all comes down to that education. Yeah. Well, I, and I love the examples of that, of looking at um, um, if you, as a traveler, 
you're coming hopefully to learn more about the destination and be more immersed. And I mean, I'm here to say that ordering off a menu is a huge roadblock in a lot of places, especially if you're looking at a foreign language, even if you're not, if you're reading a menu, if you're in France and reading an, a menu in English, it's still like a foreign menu. And so, um, yeah, like saying, here's, you know, this type of food or it, it also creates conversation and discussion as well, which is really fun. And I remember sitting with a guide in um, in Guatemala, and you know, she's like, "Have you heard of this?" And and then it's like realizing, "Oh, this is how you say this. This is how we say it in our country. This is how it's similar." And then you know, all of this connection has unfolded. Whereas if you would have just sat there and kind of going back to the customers always right maybe we don't want to insult them by telling them what they may or may not want to eat um you've just sat and they fumbled their way through ordering maybe got a meal that they didn't even enjoy don't have the best impression they're definitely not going to go to another french restaurant they're going to be trying to find an american ish restaurant in france the next time they eat and so yeah it's it's like there's so much value in empowering a guide to be able to offer those services. So then it ripples out throughout the whole experience and even beyond. Exactly. And, and to push those boundaries as you kind of are hinting upon. I mean, I, I am, I'm a big fan of guides talking politics on tours and that is like a big no for so many guides. And I obviously understand why. Um, But I think, you know, again, we need to move away from that the PC tour um, in that I think there is an opportunity. We need to take that opportunity to educate um, in, in terms of bigger topics, like another New York city example um, back, not that immigration isn't an issue today, but back when I was guiding um, immigration, Mexican immigration specifically was a really big hot topic issue in the U S and in New York city, I would get tourists from all over the U S and, you know, I gave a tour of, uh, Chinatown, Little Italy, Lower East Side. It was about immigration. And it was so funny through this tour. It was such a hot topic of the day, very controversial. But yet the Italian immigrants of the 19th century are very safe, right? The Chinese immigrants of, of the 19th century are very safe. So you go through the whole tour and everyone's like, oh yeah, these immigrants, they worked so hard. They came from so far and they made a better lives and they contributed back to the city. This is so wonderful. And then, you know, you don't have to really get into it, but at the very end of the tour, maybe your last call to action, which I'm a huge fan that every guide should have, um, you know, slipping in that line of, you know, remember immigrants come every day to the city. And that's all you have to say. You know, you don't have to change someone's mind. You just have to plant the seed of another idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's up to them to think on it or not. But I think it's a missed opportunity to not plant that seed. Yeah. And really it's just, you're only telling a truth, truthful story and it's only political because of a, a modern day context of something mm. um, that someone may or may not interpret in one way or another. And so that, and, and that's hard in general, like when you're holding conversations amongst groups of people, and especially that's another nuance that a, a tour guide or a travel guide really, uh, if, if they're excellent, is really paying attention to and trying to understand. And, um, and then that's a, that's a huge skill as well. Um, yeah. It, and it, it's, it's, especially if you're looking at a guide who's already um, leading something where, 
you're set up for that kind of a conversation where like when I was in Egypt and we were looking at um, the different um, religions in the area and visiting churches and um, mosques and temples and like actually intentionally kind of doing this compare and contrast so you know that 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 is an undercurrent of already what's happening um yeah so but then having the skill to be able to say like this is the truth of this this is the truth of this and I guess truth is relative too but you know if you're just stating it in a very factual way of like you know this is xyz and this is xyz and isn't it interesting in the overlap between the xyz here and there and um uh, those when I have had those guides which I've been lucky enough to have as well I'm like my mind is just blown because it when you remove any of the inherent um political undertones and it is presented in this factual way you, you do it on your own and you're like what what I don't understand all of the discord that has risen that, you know, is centuries old because of these things. And uh, it's really, really, really powerful. And you could have easily just gone and seen the buildings and not talked about it. Right. Or, um, right. you know, it, it's like, the, right. just, it it's, doesn't even have to be an agenda. It's just sharing history, which is hopefully why we're traveling. Totally. And, and you know, and and there is a responsibility in storytelling also, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, if you are giving a tour of Chinatown, Little Italy and New York City, you know, the responsibility to portray it in an ethical way, if that makes sense. And again, not to call out any guides, but um, most of the tours I have been on in that area of New York City, you know, in Chinatown, um, it's usually talking about the Chinese immigrants as like one single monolith. And then when you get into Little Italy, then it's talking about the crazy and kooky mafia characters with names and families. And it's that, it's very unintentional, right? And it comes to do with a lot of a lack of um, education knowledge on the guides part. Um, a lot of those tours, you know, from the tour operators, you're not getting a lot of information about the Chinatown, the Chinese immigration, because the Little Italy one's more fun. That's what people want to hear about. Um, but the importance in then taking it upon yourself to say, whoa, wait a second, why don't I have names of Chinese immigrants? You know, how can I source that information? Okay, well, what books have been written recently by someone who's from that community as opposed to relying, because the old, the old texts, right? Those big, um, what's what I'm looking for? Like, you know, the big tomes that everyone reads, the standard historical books of any culture, they were all written of a certain time, usually by certain demographics. They're very one-sided. So I think it's very important nowadays for guides to be reading first source information from different voices if they are not themselves of that background to be able to more ethically tell that story. Because I, I think today, and we're in a day and age, especially in the US right now, um, we're sort of no longer okay to just say group people together um, that we really do need to do our due diligence in, in doing the extra effort to find that information that is harder to find. Yeah. And I think that goes back to your like heart mission of em empowering guides to know their importance. And that is part of it where like, if this is the set of information and facts you're given to, to feel empowered, to be like, Hey, wait, I think there might be more here that I would enjoy sharing with people coming to my community. Um, you know, can I dig into this? Can I share it with the rest of the guides once you've found it? And can we, you know, elaborate upon what we share? And, um, and I, 
and again, when you're in a position where you think you're replaceable, you're not likely to do that because you're just trying to say, yes, like you're right. And the traveler's right. And everybody's right. And I'm just going to be quiet and do my job, um, and not rock the boat. And so I think, um, uh, yeah, like really understanding their importance and crafting these experiences, um, goes a long way into giving them that comfort in being able to say, I'd like to do more. And look back to the industry side too, like this, we can't put it all on guides, right? It is right now. But what I want to see is that pressure put on the industry to give the guides those resources. You know, if guides were paid as the highly skilled professionals that they are, then they would spend a lot more of their time doing research and sourcing these things and and upskilling. Right now, there's really not a whole lot of benefit um, to the tour guide. Again, unless you're in one of these countries where you can get special licenses by taking certain tests and, and that does affect your pay grade. But in general, it, it doesn't pay well and it's seasonal. Um, so it's great because it's flexible and that's why a lot of guides do it. But I would love to see like guiding be a career that is accessible by everyone, not just the people who have the means to work part-time or, mm-hmm. you know, be able to like flip back and forth and that, you know, that's a whole nother topic who has access to being a tour guide and, and who is, why the people telling these stories tend to be a very specific demographic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even get into gender, you know, um, in India, I feel like, uh, female is a hot topic, right? Everyone wants to know about, oh, when do they have to be married? And, um, and there's so many questions, but yet for so long, all of the tour guides were male. So I feel like whether or not the men were happy to have those discussions, probably people wouldn't feel comfortable asking them about that. Right. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, you're having more and more female tour guides. And I was really lucky to work with an all, almost all female tour guide managed by a female. Um, and it was incredible. I mean, you know, being able to tell their own stories and it added just such a different layer for their male colleagues as well, right? Because now they had permission to talk about a whole set of different things. And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about safety for solo female travelers, right, in India. So how do we, how do we solve that and make it more safe? Well, by providing education. Who needs to provide that education? Women living as females in India, right, are probably the best uh, suited to that. So it's, it, it's all tied together, right? Access to these stories, who is able to tell their own story, to be able to pass along that education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like when you look at guides as a, um, as a connection to a destination, especially traveling somewhere um, like India, for example, since you were just mentioning that, um, I lead women's trips. So it would make a lot of sense for me. And I do try to have female guides because um, then there is this cross-cultural connection on, you know, gender issues that are similar and also acknowledging the differences and the way that we share together is just different. Um, and then, um, like, when we hear the stories of, of an, a woman where we're traveling and how it impacts us and then the way that we want to engage with that destination afterward, I think is so different um, than when you don't have that intimate experience and not that it couldn't happen um, having a male guide for a women's group, but there's just something about that that creates a different dynamic. And so I, I, I love 
not only that it creates a financial impact for the women in, in those communities and hopefully gives them access to education, certainly allows their families to have better opportunities for education. Um, yeah, that it, it just, it, it opens doors in a different way. And again, it's creating this really valuable role for that woman in that country, which is also often so important. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and it's the things, it, it's different, right, in a lot of these countries. So then it's like, okay, there needs to actually be, it is more work. And this is why it's not happening, because you can't just treat them as your male guides, right? I mean, this one woman, this manager, she, and she's young, she's younger than me. She was going to people's families because these young women wanted to be tour guides and their families were like, no, absolutely not. This young woman was going to their houses, you know, in her free time and, and showing, see, I do it. It's fine. It's safe. She was paying, you know, extra money for the woman to take a cab home after a tour and calling, you know, the parents, like the tour is running late, but I'm on the phone with her. I'm going to buy her a cab. I'll get her home. You know, it does take in a lot of these circumstances, the extra effort, but as you pointed out, like the rewards are there. You know, so again, that's on the industry to kind of, it's not enough to say we need to have, you know, more diversity in storytelling. It's like, okay, but we need to actually look at what it takes to get there and then start taking the steps to make that happen. Right. Absolutely. And acknowledging that because I, I think I've even heard a story recently um, in a more developed country where a woman was saying she wasn't feeling safe um, in her role in the tourism industry and that she was feeling like something was wrong and, and it went awry and she had asked for that safety and that security and it was overlooked. And so, I mean, that's a whole nother. I was going to say it's a whole nother topic. We can yeah, go on. but it is when you, when you look at bringing female guides in a lot of countries into play, you do have to have the cultural awareness to understand what that, what you are actually asking of that woman as a leader for your group and really acknowledge that. And again, it's another opportunity for education and conversation, um, you know, within the group, within your company, within the industry. Um, so it, yeah, it really brings a lot into, into that space when you start to look at things from that perspective. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much work to be done. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the way. I think it's hard to, you know, see how far we've come, but there, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, well, I was wondering if you would mind sharing either as um, a guide yourself or as a traveler, um, a story where you have had a guide that has really influenced and shaped your experience, because I think that that is valuable both for people listening who are travelers in seeking that kind of guidance and experience and for people who are on the industry side that are like, are maybe not as uh, aware of what what a really valuable guiding experience looks like or, or feels like for their travelers. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I want to give an extreme example and then like a, a more common example, because it's easy to give the extreme ones, but yeah. I mean, memorable, memorable experiences I've had with guides um, have honestly, have honestly been in the off time, like off the tour. Cause again, these guides don't feel like they can share these personal stories and anecdotes during the tour, they think that's not what guests are interested in, um, which is a shame, you know, like, no, but they want to hear about the history. It's like, no, they also want to hear about these things. Um, so I don't know, to give an example off the top of my head, um, one of the most, one of the most impactful tours I had during was a tour director. I was in Cuba and um, I don't know that this is the best approach to do it, but I, I really respect it. He, you know, we had long drives in between cities, hours at a time where you're stuck on a bus. 
And he would literally get up there every time and say, okay, I'm going to talk and I'm going to give you information. This is my opinion as a Cuban, but as a group of Americans, you just need to know this and you could take it or leave it. And he would just talk for, I mean, hours on end. And in the moment it was like, oh my gosh, I just want to sleep, but I feel like I should be paying attention. But what he did by doing that was sort of, he opened up the room for discussion. And that was a very interesting trip. I mean, being an American in Cuba is a very surreal experience. Um, and that trip very happened to be um, half people my age, so millennials, and half baby boomers, so our parents' age. It was very split. It was very interesting, the questions that were coming from the two different groups. And the baby boomers obviously had a lot more um, personal memories of Cuba and their relations to the U.S. And what I, what was so impactful about that trip is he just got into it. You know, there's nothing off the topic and he really encouraged, to be honest, ignorant questions. Like he really wanted them. You know, he wanted people to say, I heard everyone in Cuba is starving or this and or that, just so he could give his perspective. And again, he was very clear. This is my perspective. Um, but I'm going to say it exactly how I feel it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say, oh, but the other side feels this. You are the other side. I'm just going to give you my opinion. And that, I mean, that trip just was probably um, the first time that I felt I understood what I didn't know, right? Is it the, the conscious un unconsciousness or the, yeah, the conscious what I don't know. That was really impactful. Um, so that's one example of, you know, go for the politics, just go for it. Um, another, like a, a super, super simple one, um, was I was in, let's say I can give a couple of these, let's say in, um, Krakow and I was in Krakow, Poland and, you know, it was just, no, no, I'm going to give, sorry, I'm going to give San Sebastian in, um, in Basque country in Spain. Cause this example is something you wouldn't think this is anything special, but going back to the, you know, how to navigate local bars, um, Basque country, very famous for pinchos, which are their tapas. And um, it's like, it's like a whole thing there. Like you order them in a very specific way. And um, they're very intimidating those bars. There's lots of like Michelin star tapas bars, which is great. So the food scene is like very intimidating, um, even if you're a foodie. Um, and so it was just a food tour. That's all it was. We just went from, you know, pinchos bar to pinchos bar and ate. That was all it was. But the way the guide gave it was so practical. So literally coming down to, great. So when you see on the board, the wine, um, there are four types of wine. This is the lowest, this is more fancy, this is fancier, and this is the top, right? So this is what the colors mean because they would all have these like colored labels. And then tips like, okay, great. So she would explain it as she did. I'm going to go order our pinchos and you'll notice. When I go, here's how I get the bartender's attention because all these bars are like swarmed by locals. You know, she's like, here's how I get his attention. And then, you know, when you go back to order more, you want to go to the same guy. You just go and you look him in the eye and this is what you say. I mean, so specific. And she even went the extra step to email us all at the end of the day. And I still have that email. Um, she wrote it all down. I think, you know, it's copy and pastes from each tour, but it was like step by step. And literally with that paper in hand, me and my travel companion, we just felt empowered to go into any tiny hole in the wall or super fancy pinchos bar because we felt like we knew what we were going to do. We knew exactly how it worked. We knew how to be respectful. We knew how to get served, you know, and that was so valuable. My God, that 
that I had that knowledge. And then the reverse effect is that I was now empowered to go and eat in these pinchos bars. Whereas before maybe, I mean, I wouldn't, but maybe your average traveler would be like, ah, maybe we'll just stay in the hotel tonight. Cause right. I know where to start or where to go. I mean, that was huge. The impact of it. And it was just a food tour. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It can be so magical when you have that, that moment and that connection. And it is so intimidating. And I, I remember, I'm trying to remember if it was Anthony Bourdain or not, that I remember watching a travel show of someone that in that same experience. And the, and the person walking in was like, well, how, how can it be? And then like, they started ordering and they're like, and be careful, you don't order that because it's like $250 an ounce or half ounce or quarter ounce or something like that. And they're like, what we're eating. Yeah. It was like canned sardines or something. And then, but then they're like, and then oh my the wine goes with this and this is this. And, and there was tons of people and there so much confusion. And then if you're not speaking the language, yeah, it, it's, it's huge to have someone break something like that down for you or shopping in a market in Asia or something exactly. like that or, or any, mm-hmm. anywhere, because the food is different. The language is different. The way you go about ordering, uh, whether you should stand in the line, should you just step in for yourself? Um, all of those cultural things are what makes the trip relevant. Like that's what you're there to learn, I think. And so um, I don't think you could go overboard, like where you were saying, you know, she sent you the whole list afterward. Like, yeah, thank you. That That's so valuable. And again, empowering your guide to be like, take it as far as you want to take it. Like, don't assume we know anything because we, we don't, that's why we're here, you know? And if we do, we still might learn something and it might be fun to watch other people get the guidance that, you know, maybe we didn't have, and we had to figure out how to do this by ourselves or, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. And you know, the value of that too, again, I, I want to make it really clear that like, I don't think this level of service should just be reserved to the high priced niche tour, right? Like I would love to see this for the big bus tours because, you know, is that the best way to travel? No, but it's the affordable way to travel for a lot of people. And and I just think that there's more impact there because these are people who truly, you know, you and I are a very specific type of traveler, right? Um, Where we really want this knowledge and we're asking for it when we're there and we're conscious of it. But imagine the impact of that bus full of 50 people who aren't bad people, but they just don't think to ask these questions. Mm -hmm. If you were giving them this information, now it's going to be front of mind, not only, you know, in your place, but the next place they go in your country or the next trip that they take, they're going to be a little more conscious of asking those questions themselves the next time. You know, something as simple as I always ask every local guide that I have, what greeting, like, what do I say when I walk in a shop? Mm-hmm. you know just because I want to be able because sometimes you walk in and again for you and I we're like conscious we're like oh I don't want to like start in English but I really can't pronounce the language there's no way I can memorize you know do you speak English um you know I want to get in the way like something as simple as that like what word do I say or do I wave do I bow like getting something as simple as that just gives you confidence mm-hmm. right and that's I think so many of those um I know clashes between travelers and locals can come between even when the travelers do mean well, they just are uncomfortable because they don't know how to navigate the situation. Yeah. Yeah. The guide can really eliminate that 
that discomfort for them by giving them those simple tools. And if you aren't a savvy traveler, if you have, maybe this is your first trip to Europe and you're on a bus tour, like you, you literally don't know to ask those things. You, you, you don't know that you are going to be likable in a China shop if you walk in a certain way Exactly. and you're not intending to be that person. Um, and so we, we need you to tell us what it's like, how we should do it. And, uh, and, you know, that's asking the traveler to not take offense to receiving this guidance. But I, I think, you know, again, we were talking about the way that um, guys can portray the information so that it's fun and light and often, you know, as a traveler, we love to hear how other travelers did it wrong. So like, tell us their story, they can be made up, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, right, right. like, you don't want to be that person. And, um, totally. yeah, and, it, and then it's relatable, it's humorous, it provides the education and the context. And, and then the whole group gets in in on it and um yeah so i think there's definitely ways to like but it takes education because if this is also your first time guiding a trip you might not know this you might not know that this is something that comes up it's a curiosity um so that's where then we need to put that education into play across the board for our guides so that they can provide the context and the experience that they need exactly exactly and for them like for them to make it accessible it needs to be accessible to them also, mm -hmm. right? Because again, there's no one way to do this. There's very different styles of guiding. Um, so when I do training, I also have to be very mindful to present it in a way that can be adapted um, by any guide in any city because the circumstances are often so different. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there any last like tidbit that you would like to share in terms that we haven't uncovered and I mean there's probably a lot but like any any last thing that you would want to leave us with in terms of um I guess like how we maybe as a traveler how can we empower our guides or how can we become a part of this process as well oh yes I would love to finish on that okay. I don't often get called to action for travelers <laughs> Um, I think before I said, you know, um, travelers have a very low expectation of no fault of our own. You know, we can only experience what is offered. Um, but I, I want to see travelers asking for this. I want to see travelers asking, you know, um, these questions about how how to blend in is a strong word, but how to be respectful in a city. You know, what do you wish all travelers did in your city that don't? Um, you know, what do we wish that we knew? I, I would love to see travelers asking those questions um, because the more common they become, then the guides will start to give those. Um, and I think demanding of the companies, um, there, you know, there's a lot of people right now who are a little bit more mindful of asking about sustainable practices when talking to a company. So also asking about the guides, you know, like where do you source your guides and, you know, what kind of training do you provide for them? And um, I, I think if we can start rewarding the companies that are doing it well, then hopefully the other companies will have no choice um, but to step it up a little bit. Yeah, I love that. And again, like, I'm just so lucky that I know so many of the companies that are doing it well, that it, it, it becomes hard for me to step into another space. Um, but I also know that it exists. And so, I mean, I just, uh, some of the experiences I've had traveling with amazing guides 
I would wish that for everyone traveling because it's so beautiful and it's tenfold the value and um, it, it changes everything. And, and it also in the future, like I was talking about in Bali, wishing I had my guide over my shoulder, like I don't want to travel without them. Like I, I want a biologist when I head to the beach and to, or an oceanographer or whatever. Like I want them to tell me all of the things and a historian and um, it becomes really powerful. And, you know, and when you have your local guide telling you the stories about the food and, and their family and what it's been like to live in this area and maybe how they left and went to university somewhere else for a while and chose to come back, like that enriches your travel experience. And that is where really the power is for, for what we're trying to offer to the world as a travel community, I think. Totally agree. I mean, it's literally everyone wins. The destination wins because it's being treated with more respect and sustainably. Um, The guide wins because it's more fulfilling for them. And the customer wins because it is just a better experience. It just is. So there's like no negative. We just need to raise the bar all together. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, for people who want to learn more, maybe if they are a guide and they want to learn more, find those resources, if they're a tour operator and they want to bridge that gap, um, what, how can they find you? So I, my website is tripkinetics.com. And I have, as I said, tons of resources for guides. I always try and put more things out there. Um, all of it for free. And then um, tour operators can kind of see like different ways that I've worked with tour operators in the past. Okay. Um, And I always like to end, I have rapid fire that I need to rename because they're never rapid fire. They're (laughs) like rapidly, I thought of the answer and we talked about it for a while. Um, But yes, so I have seven questions just to kind of um, have some fun at the end of the discussion. Uh, what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires you to adventure? Oh my gosh. Uh, I'll go with um, my childhood favorite still to this day, Tamara Pierce. She is a teen fantasy novelist um, and her books are all about super badass women um, going out and exploring and stretching themselves. So I definitely read that book and feel empowered. Uh, What is always in your suitcase or your backpack? Water bottle. (laughs) Even in the countries where you think you can't do it, I always, always have a water bottle just in case. Uh, What is your favorite destination? Uh, um, I'll say the place I go back to again and again is Italy. Um, My favorite place probably in the world is Hanoi, Vietnam. And where do you long to visit? I, I, I'm dying to go back to Vietnam. It's definitely number one on my list. Although I know we're during the pandemic right now. So I just like to go to Puerto Rico to visit my family. Yeah. That'll be the first one. Um, and then what do you eat that immediately connects you to a place that you've been? Oh my gosh. Literally everything. Um, what's something recent? Um, uh, coffee, Vietnamese coffee. I have a little Vietnamese coffee maker. And that really like takes me back to like sitting in a cafe by the office I used to work out of, I, I go right back there. I, I love that for you, travel and food are like inseparable. I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everything. And it's like literally the magic of the travel too, is like learning the ingredients and tasting them, seeing how they put them together from region to region in one country. And yeah, it's like tells the story of it. Um, let's see, who was the person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? My grandparents 
they were, you know, um, blue collar New Yorkers. Um, and they won a trip. My grandpa won a trip through work to Italy. No one had ever heard of anyone traveling at that point for fun. And that was it. They were travelers and it was like unheard of in their generation. So they went all over the world. Oh, that's such a great story. Um, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, it's such a cool question. I, <laughs> this is going to be really basic sounding, but I would love to like go to that restaurant in, um, in Vietnam, in Hanoi, I think. Oh no, Ho Chi Minh City with Anthony Bourdain and Obama and just like share a boon cha and beer with them. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, I'm like, oh, I want to go. <laughs> you can come. <laughs> okay, thank you. I invite myself on your fantasy adventure. Um, oh, that's so good. I love hearing what people think of because, you know, everyone just has their own, like whatever lands on their heart. Um, thank you so much. I feel like this was such a valuable conversation. I would love to keep bringing this conversation to the table and supporting the work that you're doing. I love seeing just the way your business has shaped in the last year in this, you know, this time where we've had space to do yeah. these things. <laughs> yeah. have done. And um, I think it's so important. So thank you so much for being here to share with us today. Thank you so much for having me and for chatting with me. It's like I said in the beginning, I love talking about this stuff and was thrilled that you were too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Soul of Travel podcast presented by Journey Woman. I hope you enjoyed this journey. If you loved this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast. Please share episodes that inspire you with others because this is how we extend the impact of this show. Learn more about each of my guests by reading our episode blogs, which are more than your average show notes. I think you'll love the connection. Find our episode blogs at www.souloftravelpodcast.com. I'm so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Soul of Travel Podcast. Or follow me on Instagram at either she.sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Soul of Travel Podcast mailing list. You'll also want to explore Journey Woman community and its resources for women travelers over 50. A quick thank you to my podcast producer and content magician, Carly Eduardo, CEO of Convergent. Thank you for supporting me in my mission to amplify the voices of women in tourism. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.